Well, we are uh, currently in the middle of a series called Jonah. We are going through the book of Jonah chapter by chapter. We know that Jonah was an Old Testament prophet. We know that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and that he was to preach and pronounce judgment on this wicked city. We also know that Jonah didn't like the assignment. And because he didn't like the assignment, he rebelled and he took off in the opposite direction. The Bible says that he boarded a ship going to the city of Tarshish in the very opposite direction of Nineveh. But God, the Bible says, sent a storm onto the sea to where Jonah was in order to get Jonah's attention. The Bible says that eventually the sailors tossed Jonah out of the ship and The Bible says that God uh, prepared a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and there he stayed three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. In the fish's belly, Jonah repents. Good idea. The Bible says that God instructs the fish to vomit Jonah out onto the beach. Evidently, even the fish was sick of this whiny prophet. Well, that gets us to chapter 3 and our focus for today. I've titled chapter 3, The Pursuit. The Pursuit. Now, there are five things in Jonah chapter 3 that I want to call your attention to today. The first one is God persists. God persists. And we find this in Uh, Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3 of Jonah. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. How many know that God is the God of a second chance? How many's ever had to have a second chance? Not only is God the God of a second chance, but he's the God of a third and a fourth and a fifth and however many chances that we have. Need. Here's what I know this morning, and that is that God, he will, he will go to great lengths in order to get us where he wants us. He will go to great lengths in order to get us where he wants us to be. He will uh, arrange circumstances and situations. He will use people. He will use places. He will use predicaments. Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 17 says that the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God is persistent. God is prepared. God is precise. He will go to great lengths in order to get us where he wants us to be. I also know this, and that is he will work with us as long as it takes as long as it takes. You know, some people are more stubborn than other people. Don't look around this morning. You know, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, all, all it took was just one stern look from my father to correct my bad behavior. Now, now for my older brother, it took a two-before upside the head. I mean, he was pretty stubborn. Uh, here, here, here's what I'm saying this morning. Don't, don't think that, that you can ignore God and his, his specific instructions and, 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 and he will just yawn and say, okay, no big deal. Do whatever you want. Have it your way. I mean, you know, it is the Burger King generation. No, no, no. No, no, no. God persists. 
he persists. If you ignore his commands the second time, he will be back. Verse number one says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And I also want you to notice that that God's second call to Jonah was identical to his first call. Arise, go to Nineveh, God said, and preach the message that I tell you to preach. Notice the second thing that I see in chapter 3, and that is God persuades. God persuades. We see this in verse number Three, the Bible says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. God is very persuasive, very persuasive. He will eventually get what he wants. Did you hear me? I said, God will eventually get what he wants. And why shouldn't he? He's God, remember? Some of us need to remember. Some of us, we forget who God is. Is he eventually gets what he wants, but he ought to get what he wants because he is God. You know, sometimes we don't like the ways of God. Is that you? That's me. Sometimes we don't, we don't like the ways of God. Sometimes we don't understand the ways of God. You know, sometimes I think to myself, you know, if I were God, I wouldn't do it that way. There are things in this book, and I see how God dealt with different individuals and how God responded to different things. And I I see how God brought judgment on some people. It seems to me to be very harsh, and, and it doesn't seem like the punishment fits the crime. And I think to myself, I don't think I would have done it that way. Am I the only one? You're a whole lot holier than I am, amen. But guess what? I'm not God. I'm not God. I'm not even junior. Romans 9, verse 20 and 21 puts it in pretty good perspective. Paul writes, and he says, who are you to question God? (laughs) God, I don't understand. God, why'd you do that? God, I wouldn't have done it. Who are you to question God? He says, will the thing formed say to the thing that to him who formed it, why have you made me this way? Paul writes, does not the potter have power over the clay? Can you imagine? Can you imagine taking some clay and beginning to fashion it and form it and begin to create something that you want and the clay to yell at you, don't do this to me. Don't. I don't want to be that. Shut up. You're just stupid clay. I'm in charge here. I can form you. I can fashion you. I can make out of you anything I want to because because." I'm the potter. God is the potter, friend, and we are the clay. And God the potter will form and fashion his clay any way he wants to. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. You may question God. But he has every right because he created the clay. Amen. He's the potter. And he can form it and fashion it into anything he wants it to be. It's his right. He will eventually get what he wants. And if we are wise, we'll be quick to yield to his will. Don't, don't, don't make God have to squish all your clay together and start all over with you because of your disobedience. Instead, be pliable. Be moldable. Be quick to yield yourself.
to his will. Notice the third thing we see in Jonah chapter 3, and that is we see that Jonah preaches. Jonah preaches, and we see this in verse number 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and he said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Notice two things here. First of all, first of all, he made preaching a priority. Verse number four says, Jonah began preaching on the first day he arrived in the city. He made preaching a priority. First, first Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 says, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save those who would believe. When you really think about it, just think how foolish this is this morning. For you to get up early on a Sunday morning on one of your only days off of the week and get up early and get dressed and get showered and cleaned up and come in here and sit down and listen to somebody tell you what a mess you are. Really? Really? But the Bible says God chose the foolishness of preaching. To save those who would believe. Here's what I believe. If preaching is the main means of people being saved, then preaching should be our priority. Notice something else about Jonah's preaching, and that is his preaching included prophecy. Verse 4 says that Jonah prophesied, and Jonah said, In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. If you pay close attention when I'm preaching, sometimes prophecy comes forth in the middle of the sermon. I I preach the same sermon in both the 9 and the 11 o'clock service, but and the and the sermon comes out about 95% the same every, every every time, but very often, very often the Lord will give me just a little a little nugget uh, for one service that I did not share in the other service. The Lord will give me just a little nudge. The Lord will just give me a little rev- revelation. Why? Why because there are different people in each service and often God will give me a specific word for a specific people. Notice the fourth thing that we see in chapter 3, and that is we see that Nineveh prays. Nineveh prays. We find that in verse 5 through 9. It says, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Nineveh prays, but notice how they prayed. First of all, they prayed with humility. They prayed with humility. The people of Nineveh repented. 
A fast was declared for the entire city, and everyone participated in this fast, including the animals. The people fell on their faces. The king, the king stepped down from his throne and joined them. Everyone put on their clothes for mourning. The king took off his royal robe and put on his mourning clothes, and he sat on a pile of ashes. Nineveh prayed with humility. I wonder, I wonder what would happen to our city. I wonder what would happen to our state. I wonder what would happen to our nation if we, if we got off of our lofty, prideful, arrogant thrones and humbled ourselves before God. I wonder what would happen if we as a church or we as our own individual families humbled ourselves before God. I try to be kind. I try to be gracious. I, I, but I wonder... Where is that holy fear... Where is that holy fear? Where is that reverence? Where is that awe of God? We sing about it, but do we really have it? What has, what has happened to our wonder and our amazement and our respect for God? Have we become so accustomed to Him? I mean, all I've known all my life is God. I was called in the ministry at four. You say, that's impossible. Well, that was 60 years ago. I'm still at it. Have we become so accustomed to God? Have we become so familiar with him that we are nonchalant in his presence? And can we even recognize? Can we even recognize his presence? How long has it been since we knelt in his presence? And just honored him and worshipped him and were in awe of him and simply soaked up his presence. How long has it been since we humbled ourselves before God? Have we heard so much preaching and teaching about who we are in Christ? That we've forgotten who he is. And when we pray, is our prayers all about us, our needs, our wants, our desires? Do we only pray whiny prayers? Do we only pray, give me prayers? Lord, give me this, and Lord, give me that, and Lord, give me something else. When Nineveh prayed, they prayed with humility. They fell on their face. They put on sackcloth. They put on their clothes for mourning. The king sat on an ash heap. But not only did Nineveh pray humility with humility, but they prayed harmoniously. Verse number five says everyone prayed. 
from the greatest to the least of them. Verse 6 says the king prayed. Oh, what could happen in America if harmonious prayer sprang forth from the greatest to the least? What could happen at the grace place if we had a revival of prayer? If we not only had sweet harmony on the worship team, but what if there was a harmonious choir of intercessors? What if everyone prayed? What if everyone prayed in agreement, in unity, in harmony? What could happen? Well, well, Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. And Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 through 12 says that two are better than one because they have a better reward for their labor. And Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 19, Jesus said, if any two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they would ask, it will be done for them of my Father in heaven. My challenge today is for somebody, several somebodies to join the ranks of the intercessors. We have some intercessors at the Grace Place. I'm aware of some of you, but we need more. Because this is what I know, and that is it's, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to strategize. It's easy to plagiarize. But who is willing to agonize? Who is willing to agonize? Because the answer for, to, for America is not the latest and greatest politician. And the answer for the declining church today is not the latest and greatest program. The answer is prayer. Agonizing prayer. Pray. Prayed with humility. Prayed harmoniously. And what was the result of Nineveh's prayer? God pardons Verse number 10, the Bible says, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their wicked way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God is a merciful God. He's a merciful God. Isaiah 55 and 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Yes, he will abundantly pardon. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 and 23 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin anew every single morning. God pardons. He forgives those who repent. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But not only does God forgive those who repent, but he forgets their past sins. You know, people often say to other people, well, I forgive you, but I'll never forget what you did. I doubt that's true forgiveness. Not God, he not only forgives, he also forgets. Isaiah 43 and 25, God says, I will blot out your sins and never think of them again. 
And Hebrews 8 and 12 says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never remember their sin again. Someone here today is listening to the wrong voice. Someone here today is listening to the lie of the enemy. Lies like God can't use you because of your past sin. Lies like you have been too bad to be forgiven. You've just crossed the line and you've just gone too far. Lies like your past disobedience disqualifies you for future success. Stop listening to Satan's lies. If you have sin in your life today, repent. Repent. Repent means two things. First of all, it means I'm sorry. It doesn't just mean I'm sorry I got caught. It means I'm literally, genuinely sorry. I ache. I hurt. I'm sorry. Repentance also means about face. It means if I was heading north when I repent, I'm I'm now heading south. And friend, if you are genuine in your repentance, God will not only forgive you, he will forget you ever sinned. And if you are fretting over past sin that you repented of, stop it, stop it. Because those sins have been forgiven. But not only have those sins been forgiven, those sins have been forgotten. And you bring those sins up to God and God says, I don't know what you're talking about. Those sins have been forgiven and forgotten. Move on. God has plans for you. Well, because Nineveh prayed, God pardoned, and he will do the same for you. If I could get some help on the platform this morning, the takeaway for the message today is this. It's impossible. Say impossible. It's impossible to outrun, outlast, or outsmart God. As God was in pursuit of a runaway prophet named Jonah, so he is in hot pursuit of Somebody here today needs to stop running and surrender. God has plans for you and his plans are always best. And the thing about it is he's going to get you there anyway. He's eventually going to get you there anyway. You might as well just surrender. Be honest with God. Tell him, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. I don't understand it. But God... I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do it anyway. Is he going to get you there? He, I, it might take him a long time. You know, it might take a, a, it might take a storm. It might take a ship. It might take a, a, a large fish. It might take vomit. <laughs> He'll get you there. Why not go the first time? Can you imagine? I think Jonah's life would have been far, far better if he had just simply went the first time. Amen. Father, I just pray that you'll take the word that has been shared today. God, I pray this morning, Father, Lord, that it will do the work that needs to be done in the hearts and the lives of your people today. In Jesus' name.